0: gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mad Max. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to be talking about season three of Dark Side of the Ring. Now, uh, I have to reiterate this really quick. Um, We had, now I had did, season three of Dark Side of the Ring, when it initially came out in 2021, uh, was broken up into two parts. It was it's fourteen episodes, seven episodes of part one, seven episodes of part two. Now I've already covered the first um, the first seven episodes, you know back in 2021, but I never covered the second the second half and everything like that. and then they just released um, they just released uh, Dark Side of the Ring season four. So uh, today's episode we're going to be covering season three. I won't go over. I'll do like a quick review of the first seven episodes and things like that, and then uh, the the primary uh, the primary talking points of this episode will be the second half of season three. So the first seven episodes were uh, the two Brian Pillman episodes, or the life and career of the Loose Cannon. Um, then episode three was the. Uh, the, the ultra-violence of Nick Gage, which was batshit crazy. Uh, episode 4 was The Ultimate Warrior, which was kind of a little bit of a redemption story that had like a tragic ending to it. Um, episode 5 was the Grizzly Smith episode, and I thought, you know, that 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 entire episode alone is the definition of dark because, you know, this had a lot to do with messing with people's families and people's livelihoods and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, never really seeing, uh, never really seeing uh, a happy ending at the end of it. Uh, episode, I think episode six was the, uh, the collision in Korea. Didn't really care for that episode as much because, you know, I, I, didn't, I wasn't really watching WCW back then. And, um, so, you know, it didn't really, uh, it didn't really resonate with me, and then the last episode was, uh, the last episode was, um, The Dynamite Kid, which, uh, which in a lot of ways, uh, is probably very similar to The Warrior, you know, it had a heartbreak, it had heartbreak and it had a triumph, but it didn't really have the happy ending that everybody was expecting, so, um, you know, it is what it is, but. At the end of the day, we we got something good. We got something good out of that story. The fact that Dynamite was able to kind of, you know, re rehash and mend fences with you know the people that mattered to him the most. So that was kind of cool. But, anyways, that's the recap of of uh, episode of the first half of the episode. So we're gonna go into the second half of part three of season three, and uh, episode eight is the plane ride from hell. This is an infamous episode because it's an infamous story about how during an overseas tour in 2002, this one plane ride in particular just goes batshit crazy. And it's very unfortunate of what happened on this flight. And you kind of got to feel bad for the people involved. You know, you had the whole... uh, you know, the people losing their hair, people dropping drugs, you know, people making other people feel somewhat uncomfortable. It, it really was. And everything like that. And I know as a result of it, when the when these episodes drop, a lot of guys got let go from their WWE contracts. Everybody except Ric Flair. You know, there were some accusations brought up about Ric Flair. And I think he was the only one that was unarmed in this one. But I think at that time at the time that the episode dropped Flair was like Flair was kind of out on the outs with WWE anyway because he kind of still wanted to wrestle and this was ended up being before his farewell match that was just fucking tragic but also at the same time WWE was working together to put his uh, his peacock special together and things like that so I don't think WWE wanted to mess with Flair but I know a lot of other guys kind of got the short end of that stick in that deal like uh tommy dreamer was one uh i think yeah tommy dreamer was one kurt hennig was one and um you know a lot of those guys you know kind of got the short end of the stick in that in that whole scenario and it was just bad you know uh i've heard in a lot of shoot interviews about this that this was just this was just crazy on every by by any means of the imagination this Was a crazy ass plane ride. You know, even the top guys who were involved that didn't really, you know, they don't really have a story to tell, like Steve Austin and Triple H and Kurt Angle and The Undertaker and things like that. Things got out of hand, you know, rather quickly. But, um, you know, stuff happens, people move on. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that Ric Flair should be brought to justice for, you know, making certain people feel uncomfortable. And that's what I meant by that. I don't want to get too deep into that episode because just go watch it for yourself. All these episodes are available now on uh, on Hulu and things like that. But, yeah, that Plane Ride From Hell episode was a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little a little much. It was kind of shocking when you realized the entire story behind, you know, what goes on, you know, on these flights and everything like that. Um, anyways, the next episode is Episode 9, The Double Life of Chris Canyon. Um, a lot of people may not know who Chris Canyon is, like, unless you're a diehard wrestling fan. And you watch WCW and WWE In the late 90s and 2000s uh, Things like that you, You're kind of aware of who Chris Canyon was You know, former United States champion And tag team champion And all that other stuff But what a lot of people don't know Is that he was one of the first wrestlers To to come out as gay And I think the episode This entire episode Is kind of building to that moment And But it also is kind of the 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 people who are talking in the episode like the people who knew him best uh were could tell that he was kind of struggling with it they knew he was either gay or you know something was off about him and things like that like you know they they told incidents about how a practical joke just kind of ran a little too far and everything like that and you know Canyon being Canyon was a phenomenal wrestler a uh, uh a hell of a uh, of a guy you know this guy was like 6'6 280 And everything like that, but could move like a cruiserweight, you know, he had abilities in the ring and out of the ring and things like that. And he he really kind of paved the way for guys, you know, he started a wrestling school. He started a lot of things, you know, in the late 2000s. But unfortunately, uh, one of the things that he could not escape was this kind of self-depression he was putting himself through because he kind of felt like him coming out of the closet was one of the reasons, you know, his career started fading away. And then before you know it, you know, Chris Canyon commits suicide. And, um, <coughs> and uh, you know, it was, it was kind of sad. You know, it was really sad to kind of see that, you know, this guy was kind of struggling not only, not with what he was going through, but really just kind of struggling with himself. He loved professional wrestling so much, but hated the fact that he, he was, he hated himself. You know, he hated the fact that he was the way he was for so long and everything like that, that eventually it kinda became um it kinda became a little bit of like a self imposed, you know, exile, you know, from himself and everything like that. He couldn't really get where he was gonna go. Like, yeah, he was doing things to kinda make himself feel better, but I guess because the way his career ended up going, um, you know, he still he feels that he, you know, he kinda put Himself in that predicament and everything like that, but um, this episode does have a you know a shining moment. I mean, Canyon was a pretty good wrestler, and I think his 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 latter years in the WWE weren't all that memorable. To where his WCW career is pretty memorable and everything like that. So he did have somewhat of a of a pretty cool career because of the people he helped along the way and the the guys he was training. You know, to get into the business that are there in AEW now, like the Young Bucks and everything like that, so that was kind of cool, There's, there's, a, there was a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, it was still kind of dark, you know, for this person to kind of go on this mentally, this mental downward spiral, and but still kind of have a positive outlook on a lot of things in a way, um, but anyway, moving on, the next episode is Blood and Wire, um, uh, Onita's FMW. This was probably, this was kind of like the Nick Gage episode. It was ultra violent, I think. The re, uh, if you heard my last episode about the whole thing with Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt and everything like that, this was one of the reasons why I wanted to do the episode dedicated to Terry Funk, because he was one of the main focuses of this episode. And I think it was during this episode where he kind of earned that moniker of being this hardcore wrestler and everything like that. And I thought, you know, what better way to kind of you know what better way to kind of do this than uh than to just, you know, talk about the uh the Onita, you know, craziness that combat X wrestling that they do over there in Japan and everything like that. This episode I wasn't all that interested in because outside of Terry Funk and a few of the other guys that were there really didn't know anybody and everything like that. So this episode kind of came and went, but it is kind of like, you know, these people were really trying to put on a good wrestling show, you know, at the mercy of these other people. You know, where it differs from the Nick Gage and the New Jack stuff is that it it it's more so about the behind the scenes than anything else because of the dealings that were going on. You know, they ran this like the fucking mafia and things like that. And, you know, there were some shakedowns. There was a lot of that stuff going on backstage and, you know... While it made the press and it made them kind of, you know, made them some good, everybody some good, a good chunk of money, it wasn't going to last. You know, it wasn't going to be like, you know, oh, this is going to be, this is the future right here. But, you know, it'll be just, same thing with ECW. It's just going to be, you're hot for a little while and then after a while you're not. Because by then you've seen it all and what more could you do besides dying in the ring and nobody wants to see that. So, you know, this episode kind of really goes into the minds of this, you know, uh, as Jim Cornette, these outlaw wrestling promotions and everything like that, where they just try to make a quick buck off of uh, off of whatever is going on. So, uh, episode eleven is bikers and bomb bikers, bombs and bedlam. Johnny K nine. I got to be honest with you, I had to rewatch this one because I had, I don't remember anything from it. Um, and then watching it, I was just like, dude, this how what is this? This is probably the most Haphazard episode out of all of them, because it has it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with wrestling in general. it follows a certain character and the reputation they built for themselves outside of the ring and I wasn't really all that interested now the shit that they get into is you know is nuts and everything like that but i I kind of just watched this episode in in part it took me a good while because I wasn't really. I wasn't really all invested in the, in this episode particular because didn't really know anybody, didn't really care, and didn't and didn't really find this whole story fascinating. You know, there was stuff going on at bars. You know, there was a fight, there was a shooting, and things like that. And I was just like, this feels more like a like a crime thriller than it does, you know, like a a, a sitcom show and everything like that. And. You know, by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, Jesus Christ, what more could they do? Or what more is there left to tell? And, you know, things like that. And, you know, this is probably the, the episode that I wish I didn't really have to watch. I didn't really care for it, really, at all. And everything like that. But at the same time, it was just something that I, I had to watch because I was trying to cover everything like I did uh, with this. Um, with this series and everything like that. But out of all the episodes that I've watched, it's probably my least favorite one, or my least interested one. Uh, episode 12 is the many faces of Luna Vachon. Luna Vachon, I believe, is the daughter of Mad Dog Vachon, who is this crazy wrestler from the the 60s and 70s and everything like that. And she kind of took that moniker to WWE. And she, I think her her... Her misfortunes come on the fact that she was trying to be a woman's wrestler at a time when women's wrestling wasn't what it is now. Like, she came in with Sable and Sonny, and, you know, there weren't that many female wrestlers. The generation before, like in the 80s, like Wendy Richter and Leilani Kai and all those other women who were actually wrestlers and everything like that, that generation was gone. They had Medusa or Alundra Blaze, as she was called in WWE you know, there, but then by the time Luna Bashan had kind of become active in WWE, she was already gone and she did the infamous angle where she drops the the WWE women's belt in the trash can and everything like that, and Luna Bashan is just, you know, there with a bunch of women who are either don't really give a shit about the wrestling business or don't care to do anything convincing in wrestling, you know. These people are here just to get a paycheck. The girls were there just to kind of become stars and everything like that and not really do what you know what they do on tv and everything like that and that kind of upset luna for a while. You know, she was in a relationship with uh the wrestler known as Gang Grill and um, she has a son and uh but unfortunately, you know, at towards the end of her career, you know, it didn't really es- it didn't really take her where she needed to go and she ended up, you know, taking her own life as many many wrestlers do and everything like that and it was just it was bad all the way around her story is more of a more of a tragedy than anything else and um, uh, it goes to show you that she was kind of she was more lost in lost in the shuffle by women by the system because of the fact that at the time that she came in um, at the time that she came in Women's wrestling wasn't taken seriously. Women were seen as sex symbols rather than athletes. So you know it's unfortunate, but uh, the fact that she really respected the business and she kind of did leave an impact for those for the women who did take it seriously and everything like that. But um, you know, it's, she, like I said, her her story is more of a tragedy than anything else. Episode thirteen is extreme, extreme and obscene. Rob Black's XPW. This is the, fuck, man. I thought that last episode was, you know, crazy and, you know, out of their minds with Johnny K-9. But this one here, this is about a fucking wrestling promotion ran by a guy who did porn. You know, this was just so fucking, like, ludicrous. And this was just like, like the, the, like you thought it was, like I said, like with all these episodes that involve extreme deathmatch wrestling and everything like that, you would think that ECW is the height of that. You think that, you know, but like they're like, at least with ECW, they were successful. They were trying to be a legit wrestling company to where these fucking people in Japan or these deathmatch guys, these XPW guys or these, um, these, uh, you know, XPW, CPW, CZW, you know, it was just, these guys are just like, it's like they, they is run by people who don't really give a shit about the wrestling business. They give a shit about, you know, just trying to make some ch- trying to make a quick buck. Like, what the fuck? Like this guy Rob Black was a director of adult entertainment films at the time and everything like that. So he decides to put on a wrestling show and su- suffices enough, you know, people actually go and watch it. You know, people are actually kind of getting behind it and everything like that, but you know, from from what I heard or from what I saw, he was trying to do both at the same time. The guys would walk into his office to try to get their money, and he's in the middle of shooting a porn scene. And it's like, what the fuck? You know, what the hell is going on with these people? This episode just, like, I was like, Jesus Christ! And what what more could you possibly do to kind of be the skid mark on the on the the underpants of profess of not even professional wrestling, but uh, but just like you know. Extreme deathmatch match wrestling in general, hardcore wrestling as they call it, and it was it was not good. It was inter- it was not entertaining in any way, shape, or form. But I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. They they did put on some good shows. They did make some money. Everybody got paid. You know, I don't think anybody died. I hope nobody died. But um you know, this was just this was just bad all the way around. There's no there's no two ways about it. And uh, so. The last episode is the steroid trial. Uh, if you don't know what the steroid trial is, uh, I think in 92, 93, somewhere in the early 90s, Vince McMahon uh, had been indicted. And Dr. Zahornen or Zoran, or whatever his name was, these people are indicted on federal crimes of the distribution of uh, anabolic steroids. And this has kind of rocked the world of professional wrestling because... You had the biggest promotion uh in all of pro wrestling coming under fire because of steroids, and you had the boss vince McMahon uh at the at the at the front end you know, and he was coming under heavy fire and a lot of guys that you know were you know using drugs and everything like that pointed out to vince McMahon that you know he he wasn't distributing drugs but he also was you know turning a blind eye when guys were using drugs and a lot of things like that. You know, guys like Ultimate Warrior were kind of called into the, that fray. Hulk Hogan was like that. But I think this not only sparked interest in, you know, the rapid drug use in professional wrestling, but it also kind of sparked the guys to kind of get, get their shit together and everything like that. Like a lot of wrestlers um, uh, admitted to using steroids, like Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan and everything like that. You know, Hogan... Admitted it, but Hogan. But you know, a lot of people could tell because if you look at his transformation from the late 80s to the early 90s, it wasn't as big and defined as he once was, and everything like that. Same thing with Warrior, you know, when Warrior left WWE after that incident at SummerSlam and came back at WrestleMania, it was it almost felt like a different person because you're like, Who the hell is this guy? He looks smaller, you know, and you know, there's a lot of times when wrestlers get off the juice and it's like noticeable but man this episode here this was just kind of like they were legit going to arrest Vince McMahon and you know there was there was legit talks about bringing in Jerry Jarrett to kind of run the company if Vince McMahon ended up having to go to jail and everything like that but of course Vince being the intelligent businessman or the rich man that he is was able to kind of you know get a you know go through a loophole and not be indicted the charges didn't stick, but unfortunately, Dr. Zahoran did lose his license. WWE kind of changed their drug policy and everything like that. And what's funny is that they changed their drug policy, but a lot of guys in the mid to late 90s were still drug abusers, you know, a la Shawn Michaels and um, Brian Pillman and everything like that. And, you know, but they all it's always the whole, it's the proverbial, oh, but I got a prescription, you know, it's not my fault and everything like that. I'm supposed to take this. And everything like that. But, you know, the steroid trial was really kind of, uh, that felt like a court drama. Like that episode kind of felt like an episode of law and order, you know, without a murder mystery in the middle of it because nobody really died. But then a lot of guys, you know, who had died prior to that scandal because of drug related uh, issues and everything like that, you know, that kind of was brought up into the conversation and everything like that. So, um, this episode this last episode was interesting to see because you got to see a lot of first hand accounts of what happened during the trial. Because back then nobody was really talking about the trial. They tried to focus on the product what was going on in the ring and everything like that, rather than talking about the trial. You know, U T Vince McMahon in his suit wearing that ridiculous uh, neck brace and everything like that. But um, you know, it is what it is and a lot of guys were a lot of guys were ended up being not Uh, release or anything like that but a lot of guys had to get off the supplements and a lot of guys had to get you know clean if they wanted to keep their jobs and I don't think too many guys kept their jobs after that because a lot of guys went AWOL after that I know Warrior went AWOL after that Hogan I think this was what started Hogan's uh, departure when he left for WCW around that time Uh, JYD, unfortunately, and I I won't mention too much about Junkyard Dog because his episode is going to be covered in the next one for season four, but, um, you know, a lot of top guys at that time had to, you know, either get off the stuff or, you know, leave WWE, and some of them couldn't do that, and, um, you know, it was, but it was because of the steroid scandal that they had to go in another direction uh, as far as the presentation went because now, you didn't have to be, you know, 6 foot 8 with the muscular physique. You just have to be an incredible athlete like a Shawn Michaels or a Bret Hart and everything like that. That's why those guys started getting pushes and then we started getting guys like uh Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and those guys in the in the uh, in the mid 90s, you know. It was because of the steroid trial that we were able to get in this new brand of wrestlers and everything like that. The days of being the big muscular, you know, bodybuilding type were over and now we were going to go into a more Uh, athletic direction uh, for the WWE so to speak and it was fun while it lasted but at the same time it was necessary because you have to think about the person not the character and the longevity of what drugs steroids or whatever type of prescription pills these guys are taking was going to have in the long run like I covered in the part one series you know a lot of these guys you know couldn't get off the stuff whether it was steroids whether it was you know pain pills whether it was somas whatever these guys were taking the steroid, the steroid scandal really kind of, you know, shook guys to their core, and you know, some of them were either going to be out of a job, or worse, some of them weren't even going to be around to, you know, see the age of 40 or 50. And, um, you know, it is what it is, and everybody's still kind of here. We've had our deaths along the way, but um, I think WWE is doing a pretty good job of of handling the wellness policy and everything like that. So. We'll see where it goes from here. Like, steroids aren't really a thing anymore, but um, we'll see. What Hopefully, WWE has kind of put that all behind them, and the guys who are on that kind of stuff, you know, can stay off of it uh, for the long run, not only for their physical well-being, but for their mental and professional well-being. So, it is what it is, and everybody's doing pretty good right now because smaller, more athletic guys are in style, and, you know... um yeah, I think it's got a lot to do because of the steroid scandal of of the 90s, so. A, a lot of good came out of that episode, but, you know, at the time of the episode, at the time of that stuff happening, um, not that, not, it wasn't a good time to be a wrestler at that time, so to speak, because I know, you know, it was kind of on a lurch and everything like that, but, like I said, without, with a negative comes positive, because without that, we never would have saw the, the rise of guy of the smaller athletic wrestlers like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, and things like that. So, you know, with every with every negative there's always a positive and vice versa. So uh but anyways that's gonna go that's the last episode of season three. We finally covered it. I know that first episode came out like in June of 2021 cuz I think that's when the the first half dropped and I never got a chance to cover the second half of it cuz I kind of just lost interest but then when when Vice announced that they were doing uh, another season of Dark Side of the Ring um I should have just fucking did it right there but you know I kind of lost my track of time and then I finally did watch season 4 of it, and everything like that, so the next episode for this is going to be, I'll cover season four in another episode, and you won't have to wait, you know, a whole two, a year and a half to, to see it, but uh, uh, that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode, if you liked the episode, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Play, Odyssey, Reddit, wherever you get your podcast from, be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, Instagram and Twitter, The Madhouse 21 uh, be on the lookout for more episodes as they come out. Um, like I said, I'm going to be covering season four of Dark Side of the Ring. All these episodes, if you're a fan of Dark Side of the Ring or a fan of wrestling in general and have not, and have not watched these and don't know where to watch them, if you have cable, watch it on the Vice channel. But if you don't have cable and you have the streaming services, uh, they're all available on Hulu right now. So definitely check that out if you're a fan of wrestling. I highly recommend it. It's cool. It's entertaining. Uh, so... You know, definitely check out Dark Side of the Ring. Be on the lookout for more episodes as they come out. There's going to be a lot of stuff dropping this week. Um, uh, different things are going to come out. More stuff, more docu series, more uh, streaming service stuff. Of course, more movies are going to be dropping. And uh, like I said, just be on the lookout for anything and everything that comes out of this podcast. And of course, as always, guys, be sure to embrace your inner madness.